He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going to get you excited. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Hello and welcome to week 31 of a Good Talk Spoiled Gob podcast. I'm Bobby Donnelly and I'm joined by Barry O'Hanlon. Hi Barry. Hi Bobby. And it's just the two of us this week. Um, Alan obviously is away and James is caught up with a bit of work so uh, the lads aren't able to join us this week. We did, both of us did make a bit of a plea out to Bob Rattella to come and join us and, and give us a bit of a chat because uh, both of us had mental challenges on the golf course over the weekend. Barry, you um, you had a bit of strife in a, in a, in a Forsens match play game over the weekend. Uh, yeah, it was yesterday. Um, the weekend golf, we can just kind of forget. It wasn't, it wasn't too memorable for me. Yeah, yeah. Some good stuff and too much bad stuff. But uh, it was, yeah, we're in a quarterfinals of our club uh, Forsens match play. Um we won the first four in a row, all going well. Four um, up after four. Four up after four, you cannot ask, cannot do any better. And um, We got up to five up at one stage, and they then reeled off three pars in a row, and we ended up going to the 15th tee, one up. So, you know, squeaky bum time at this squeaky stage. Squeaky bum time, yeah. We, uh, you, this would be mentally scarring for life if you <coughs> if you happen <laughs> to lose a match with five up. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, um, yeah, we hit some pretty good shots down the stretch, and played... Uh, Played the 18th nicely. We went to the 18th one up, um, just fairway green, you know, into about 12 foot. Stu had a cracking wedge shot in, and that pretty much put the put the lid on it. So it was very, very nice. Good. We, should, we shot a good round. I think we were we were 10 over par gross for the round, including a couple of gimmies. So you're 12 and Stu was 15. That's not too bad, yeah. It's good, pretty good well. enforcement. Yeah. We didn't drive the ball great, but uh, you know we got over the line. That's the important thing in match play. So it was nice. And what was what was your mental challenge? Yeah, I was. Um, I've been kind of games coming around a bit. So I was one under after ten on the Montgomery course in Carton, and we actually have a, a hut where you go and you can get a drink and you get a, a sandwich. So of course I was in the toilet preparing my discussion about how I was going to be here telling you guys about how I shot under par on <laughs> the Monty and sure enough it all went downhill from there now admittedly we did get hit by a bit of wind and rain at that stage but I finished 5 over and so I'm off 6 and of course I was looking at a nice big handicap cut and the whole lot but it was a bit tough now made a couple actually made two double bogeys uh, so I finished 5 over but still a good score and a bit of a handicap cut what, so what did you what did you do wrong like that you're not going to do the next time Um. There's a couple of minor things, a bit of course management really. Um, there was a couple of holes where I picked certain shots that I, I didn't hit great. And um, yeah, that was pretty much it. Probably just a bit of course management. There was definitely three shots where I picked a certain part of the course where I should have just gone for a safer part of the course. So mm. Still a part of the learning, you know. You know? Good lesson learned, isn't it? It's yeah. always good, yeah. 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 Um, actually, interesting, I, I didn't mention this when we were talking beforehand, but... A guy I sit beside in work was playing in his captain's prize second round. Um, I won't mention the golf course, but he plays off seven, okay, and he was playing the 17th hole in the second round. Now, he was he was out of it because he didn't have a great round, didn't have a great score in his first round, excuse me, but he was standing, uh, played the 17th hole in the Paris court, the east. You know, I don't know if you know it, where it's par five, third shot over water. I love how you said, I'm not going to mention the course, and you just mentioned Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, okay, well, there we go, yeah. Um, but anyway, sorry. So he's playing the 17th, third shot's over water. He's one over par 
and he's playing off seven. And this guy he's playing with is off two, mm-hmm. and he comes over to him as he's waiting over this third shot, final round, cap's prize, and he goes, what's your best round you've ever shot? No. I swear to God. And we were only talking about gamesmanship that, a few weeks ago. Why didn't we all have that story for an episode uh, on gamesmanship? So he turned around to your man and said, listen, leave me alone, leave me alone, go away. And your man comes back to him again and says, what's the lowest handicap you've ever been off? Realising that he's on for a good round. And your man had to kind of steady himself. And it's actually a tough hole uh, to hit your third shot into. He actually got it on the green, which was a good result. And now we actually ended up three putting, but it's just because the green, the pin was difficult. Yeah. Um. And actually, sorry, he was level par because he bogeyed that hole, and then he played eighteen and he parred it, so he shot one over. But I thought that was real skullduggery. That's nasty. That's worth the, That's worth like an iron across the knee yeah, in the car yeah. park after. It's yeah. like that's nasty. Now, in fairness, the guy kind of I think he realised how bad he was because when he when my friend hit a good shot down eighteen, your mum's like, "Great shot, great shot, well done." Now bring it home now and get it on the green and have a good score. Uh oh, yeah, he's so, dead. Dig up. <laughs> yeah, I think he realised the mistake he made. So as we mentioned a few weeks ago in our gamesmanship episode, it's very much alive in the, in golf nowadays. Absolutely, and there's a fine line and. In, yeah. in what what's acceptable or what's not, mm-hmm. I think that's 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 well beyond. I that's Yeah, and in fairness, my friend didn't do anything better. He just put his head down and carried on, and I don't think he even said it to me afterwards. So fair play, Jim. Yeah, I would have I would have reacted a bit differently, anyway. So, but anyway, listen, that's them. Um, was getting this was boring stories about our own games out of the way, but um, this week we're going to have we're going to have a quick look ahead to the WGC. It's just myself and Barry this week, so we'll probably have a shorter than usual episode, but. Um, hopefully not less on uh, on quality anyway. Um, we're going to start off with the rules-related question. Um, Alan has actually given us his answer, but he's, he's obviously not, not joined us. So the rules-related question this week... Um, actually, Alan, sorry, before I start, Barry, you're first to go and... Yeah, I don't uh, know Alan's answer, just... Yes, no, yeah. no, I have his answer, but uh, cool. I have it separately. Um, so, but he's answered beforehand and you're first to go. Mm-hmm. So... I'm going for a bit of an easier one, so I don't know if you guys will find it a bit easier. But during a stipulated player, during a stipulated round, a player runs out of balls. What is the ruling? Question mark. A. He must abandon his round. B. The player may borrow some balls from any player on the course. C. The player can discontinue play in order to find or purchase some more balls. So your first part. I have Alan's answer anyway. Yeah. I love I love the the options you have and option C you just like wander off like how long can you discontinue around for could yeah, you go yeah. off like to the local McGurks or something like that or Novo like, Golf Shop? Well, I wonder if this mean could you run off the ninth? Does yeah? Does he have a five minute time limit in the rough if he's looking for balls or doesn't say? Doesn't <laughs> say. <laughs> um, I actually I actually know this one. I'm pretty confident it's B that he can borrow balls off uh, playing partner. I think he can borrow pretty much anything except a club. Okay. You know, if you're missing tees or you know ball marker or whatever, or sun yeah. cream yeah. or so yeah, I think it's option B, but cool. option C is way more fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I will we'll release it. The I'll give the answer at the end, uh, including Alan's answer. Um, okay, very good. Uh, actually, a lot of golf on this weekend. I found it like a quieter weekend. I didn't watch too much of it, but there was a good few events on, and I suppose the in 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 running order from I suppose a, a our own local tour or our European tour um, wasn't the major tournament now the M2M Russian Open and David Horsley defeated our own Damon McGrain in a playoff um, I watched a bit of the playoff and McGrain probably he just, his, his second in the shot of the playoff it was a it was a par 4 
and just pulled his iron a bit into the bunker and didn't get up and it was very easy on Horsey then to yeah, yeah. To, uh, to to win it from there knock it into the fat part of the green it's, yeah. it's a shame about McGrain I mean it was kind of an unexpected opportunity to win because he started the day six behind mm. and played a cracking round all the way to the 18th and just hit not one of his best putts in regulation to miss his par on 18 and uh, open the door for Horsey who to be fair now got you know had a little bit of luck on the way chipping in for Eagle on 17 yeah. And then, you know, scrambling par on 18. So, you know, look, you need a little bit of luck to win. And, um, you know, McGrain kind, kind of opened the door a yeah. little bit. It's, it's just unfortunate. But at the same time, he seemed he seemed pretty chilled out about it. He was happy. He kind of got his card. And he's, you know, he's playing nicely. He kind of, he's cut streaky. So hopefully he just carries the form into the next event. And Yeah, he picked up 111,000 euro, which keeps his card, uh, puts him to it, must put him to the... I remember Peter Laurie needed two hundred and twenty thousand yeah. odds, so I'm imagining that's got him to that figure. He's been uh, he's been grabbing a few checks here and there as well the last yeah. few weeks, so so that that's him done. Um, and probably more more important event actually, probably more more interesting anyway was the British Seniors Open, because um, very similar, another German walking away with a major. Uh, yeah. Bernard Langer dominated the field, uh, one by thirteen in the end was it? Yeah, yeah, it's a. My, a senior senior tour record, I think it is, yeah. and a smashed the senior British Open record, and I, it was just it was amazing what he was doing. The just to you know, to show how difficult the rest of the golf course was, there was there was only a handful of other players who were under par. Mm. And actually, uh, Langer and Watson both reckon that the golf course is more difficult than Hoylake. They said it's quite diff- it, it, it is difficult and. You know, I, we talked about last week that this course is probably putting on a bit of an audition to get onto the open rota, and they reckon that the if it, if it was an audition and they did have a chance that it went well, but they do have a problem around um, infrastructure. The size uh, of the course? No, it's more the getting getting to the course. You know, public transport and okay. stuff like that. So the course itself is fine, and it would definitely host an open. But the ins and outs. Yeah, getting people in and out, accommodation, stuff like that. That. There isn't the, the infrastructure isn't quite there, so they reckon that it might be probably another decade before it may be. I think it was like the roads and this, that, yeah. and the other in yeah, place to actually do it. Get it right. So it, it, it looked great. The course did. Yeah, yeah, as we all know, I'm a massive Lynx fan, yes, and to, yeah. to see one burnt up and playing that hard and fast was great. Yeah. And um, I was uh, listening to some comments by you and Murray, and he was saying that it's the the fastest and hardest he's seen Lynx golf mm. course since maybe the '60s when they didn't water them at all. Mm. And um, this was interesting now, and uh, I didn't see enough of it to be able to comment on. He's watching it all week long, and he's there on the ground. But he said that if the regular tour players had rocked up and played off the same tees as Langer did, he said not one of them would have beaten his score yeah. on the week. Yeah, I I don't know if I believe that because I I know there's been a lot of talk about Monty and Langer and possibly making the kind of, you know, the Ryder Cup and stuff like that. That they, I don't know whether it started off as a joke, but all of a sudden... It seems to have gathered momentum, doesn't it? Yeah. For some reason. Now, but I think the people who have come out and criticising it, possibly in my own point of view, criticising it, rightly so, that this talk about the two guys getting in, that the events that they're playing are a lot easier, particularly the American events. Um mm. So I don't know. I just kind of and just like okay, I could maybe understand it's small, you know, entertaining it a tiny bit if it was going to be on a Lynx golf course that's firm and fast, mm. and these guys can plot their way around. A la Tom Watson, you know, 
a few years ago back in Turnbury, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, something like that, then maybe you have a, a crazy little argument for it. But, um, no, I mean, Glen Eagles is going to be a big, long golf course. It's in September in Scotland. It's not going to be firm and fast. It's going to be soft and really long, and you're going to yeah. need hitting big distances to, to compete on that. Um, Monty, obviously, we... Uh well, yeah, he's, he's obviously not that popular when it comes to uh, his commentary and he came out with a statement that if himself and Langer would win a point if they were paired together in the foursomes in the Ryder Cup which I had a bit of a laugh at that now I think that's probably a bit of a stretch um, he might have got carried away in a bit of post-tournament excitement mm. yeah do you know what they're both super experienced in the Ryder Cup you wouldn't put it past them it's foursomes you know they're both so steady and straight and uh, look I mean that they just need to go off and discuss uh, around the, the table at the bar um, setting up the Senior Ryder Cup like Alan was suggesting last week yeah that'd be a great idea wouldn't it that would be brilliant to watch I, I'd love to watch that would you oh yeah I, d- I definitely would um, just to put a bit of colour onto it um, Skybet have Langer 25 to 1 to get a, year, a wild card <laughs> and to put that into perspective Manacero Castaño and Blixt are higher odds than he is like when you think about Jonas Blix too, has talked a lot with having a chance. Um, so yeah, it's a bit, bit, bit mental, you know. Monty's sixty-six to one. If you'd like that, uh, like those odds. <laughs> I know I like my speculative long, long odds punts, but now that's not one. Yeah. No, it's yeah. just not going to happen. But I wonder. I'd love to hear afterwards how much the bookies would make off those bets. Yeah, yeah, I can't see it unless people. Yeah, no, I do. People, people like James who back Nick Faldo to thousand one for the Open Championship yeah. might put a tenner each way on that half thing. Or I'm sure. Minutes. I'm sure if he was here, he'd be calling for uh, Faldo to get a wild card. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> give him two wild cards. I haven't played yeah. two singles matches. He yeah. could do it. <laughs> um, and I suppose the main event this weekend on the PJ Tour was the RBC Canadian Open, and a bit unfair on Tim Clark now to, to start focusing on Jim Furyk, but. Um, Jim Furyk now has led seven tournaments in a row. He's had the, sorry, seven tournaments in a row. He's had the 54 hole lead mm-hmm. and hasn't won. I'd be if I was um, five hour energy, I'd be reconsidering that contract. <laughs> he needs more. He's not more. He's too much warm up time. He just needs to go straight to the course. Well, I think he needs Bob Rotella more than we do. Well, possibly. Oh yeah. Now, I, I think he was very unlucky this weekend. This week because like Clark just shot a cracking great round and he held a lot of putts from all over the place what was it you said he had like eight one putts on the back nine he, was just, he just held everything in like you know anything six foot fifteen footers it was all just going in yeah for those who didn't see it now um, they, um, Clark and Fjord were playing together and um, they came to the 17th and now I, I thought Clark was a bit further than 15 feet but Fjord was into about six feet for Brady on 17 mm and Clark headed to 15 feet and Clark was one ahead and he he made his 15 footer a bit of a swirl in it and now in fairness to Fjord he then followed up with a 6 footer and made it and so then that meant they were going to the last uh, with, with Clark one ahead and Clark hit a 3 wood down and then the green had a big slope from front to back and he had a hybrid to the front, front part of the green and he had a tough 2 foot up a big ridge and Bernice Fjord, he hit a cracking iron from the left-hand side of the fairway. Like, if it had reached the, the pin, it would have hit the centre of the pin. Yeah. But it pitched about six feet short, spun back to 12 feet. Uh, Clark put it up, left it six feet short, maybe five, six feet short for par. And Fjord had a chance to ram in a birdie to put serious pressure on Clark. It would have been then Clark would have had a, pressure, uh, a, a put for a playoff. 
Furyk missed and then Brent Clark rolled it in to, to avoid the playoff so why do you not continue a streak of putts when you're just knocking in one putting one putting every green you know you just the whole the whole looks the size of a bucket when you're actually putting that well yeah he, I don't think he had a three putt um, all, all weekend really that's yeah. amazing I actually I read a good stat on Tim Clark he's he's only won once on tour up until this weekend yeah. but he's had at least one runner up finish each year on the PGA Tour for the last 10 years wow so that shows that this guy is a really good golfer just almost like Jim has had that struggle with finishing tournaments off and getting the wins when, he ha- when he's got the chance well I think as well Clark's big problem is is that he's he's very short off the tee yeah so and I, we touched on it last week with GMAC that it's it's hard for these guys to find tournaments that really fit their game if they turn up with let's say this week now Bridgestone you know GMAC's already fighting against yeah, the long they, they say you don't have to be too long on Bridgestone despite it's, it being 7,400 yeah. yards yeah but I mean Let's let's see what happens. It's hard it's hard to get proper stats in that course because Tiger just keeps winning and yeah <laughs> yeah his eight wins there. But um, yeah, like you said, I mean, there's only maybe half a dozen courses each year on the PGA mm-hmm. Tour that be really you could say yeah Tim Clark's one of the guys this week that should should be right up there and has a yeah. good chance of winning. Um, but actually, we we talked about it on on one event or uh, one podcast a few a good few weeks ago. At this stage, we talked about Mark Brody who does a lot of the stats for the PGA Tour and he wrote a very good book on the whole thing about strokes gained and what they do is they can break it now up into how many strokes a winner gained on the rest of the field mm. so Tim Clark gained 4.1 shots well, 4.1 shots per round on the rest of the field and 1.4 of those shots so probably in about, in about 35% came from approach shots and the rest came from well and then and then another 35% came from putting yeah. so this course is all about second shots and making the putts mm. but which would be and very useful for next year if you're having a bet and putting things in play as well like mm. not killing yourself off the yeah. tee and actually going back just the, there's a good article in the PGA Tour talking about Clark's driving he's actually lost 0.3 of a shot this season against the whole field for every event he's played on driving so his, his distance off the tee is actually costing him yeah, you know, point three of a shot. And he's probably lost some accuracy as well. Then, if he's re- if he's that far down in the driving, because the yeah. shorter hitters need to be even more accurate yeah. than the, long, yeah. the longer guys do. Yeah. So, but anyway, it's good to see him win. Um, I think he's won a lot of opens. I think he's won in South. Africa. He's won the South African Open. He's now won the Canadian Open. Um, he's won a couple of them, a couple of other ones as well. So, yeah, it's good to see him win. And hopefully, Jimbo gets one over the line some stage soon. Yeah, I almost feel sorry for Jim at this stage, even though he cracked through the 60 million career earnings barrier there on the weekend. Yeah, and, and I, we know we mentioned that he's had seven events where he hasn't converted 54 hole leads, but he's always finished second or third, and um, I think he, he's now top 10 in the world. So look, he's yeah. he's racking up the money and he's racking up the world ranking points. So um, he's doing very well, and he obviously did very well at the Open as well. So he's having a good season. At this stage, you know, he might uh, he might just kind of develop a whole screw it attitude and just start going for it on a Sunday yeah. instead of you know, maybe I don't know maybe we're reading too much into it because we hear about him not converting his leads mm. but um, you know him being kind of playing it a bit safe you know he only had what one or two under this weekend maybe he just gets to a Sunday now and the next next time he's in the lead in the tournament and just goes you know what I'm just going to put the foot down here and just go after everything yeah. if I shoot 64 I win the tournament if I bomb at least I know I went after it and, and I have enough money in the bank anyway so it doesn't yeah, really I'd say he doesn't give a hoot about finishing second or yeah. 15th yeah. you know yeah. um, so it'll be interesting to see if he changes his approach the next time he gets in that position yeah yeah well that's, that's, that's true now the only with his shot to 18 it was all like as the pin was up on the, yeah. on the back ledge 
and he just went straight at it. There was no, well, I suppose any yanked it, but there was no two ways about it. So, um, yeah, you know, so uh, hopefully he'll, he'll kind of do it. And he has a chance this week again in, in WGC. Um, okay, um, one last thing on that tournament. Um, the presenter bets, Alan got off the mark with Graham Delat, who finished 7th. Um, you actually had Snedeker, who finished 25th. Uh, uh, James, continuing on, A, his good form in picking players, but B, his love affair with Russell, uh, Russell Knox, 29th. And it's kind of worrying at this stage. I mean, do you think Knox is, like, knocking on Faldo's number one spot at the moment? Possibly. Let's say he has a chance. Let's say he has a chance. And uh, I picked Schwartzel, who finished 43rd. Bit of a disappointment. But as we reveal later on, I'm not giving up on him. Um, so we'll, we'll come to that. Uh, just in terms of any other bits of news this week, there's one interesting bit about McElroy's golf ball from the Open, which is kind of a bit interesting, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah so what a, a fan uh, caught the ball that McElroy fired into the crowd at Hoylake and got contacted by this company called Green Jacket Auctions, who do uh, kind of auction golf memorabilia. They have some really cool stuff on their site, so um, if you want to go along and check out old stuff like by Ben Hogan and the like. And I might post a link up to it on uh, Twitter, just... Tweet a link to the. Not oh, a bad idea. Yeah. And Green Jacket Auctions can pay us for the plug. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Maybe donate a jacket for a for a, a prize or something for one of our raffles or something. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the the ball is currently um at five thousand five hundred and fifty eight dollars in the auction, wow. and they reckon it's going to be it's going to go for over ten thousand. Wow. Wow. That's. But it is, it is signed, of course, and it's verified. I think it's signed. I saw in the story it was. Anyway, we'll find we'll find it <coughs> and I'll post it up on the Twitter. Do do yeah, that'd be it. There's a bit of a good bit of content on the Twitter now. Uh, cool. Okay, very good. Well, normally at this stage now we give you an update on the top two hundred and as we mentioned at the start, Alan isn't here with us, so he said he's gonna give us an update on the top two hundred next week. This is the it's now closed the competition and we are running it to the end of the season, so no more entries at this stage, but uh, we'll keep it updated and we'll try and post the full leaderboard, including players on the Twitter uh, on the Twitter handle um, this evening um, on, on a weekly basis so that people can check it up. So, anyway, moving on to the main event this week, which is the World Golf Championship, the Bridgestone Invitational. And before we sit myself and Barry have a look ahead to the event and any potential bets we're doing, uh, we just we I kind of had a thought we'd have a look and see, well, where did the World Golf Championships come from? Um, and you know what is the exact purpose of them? So we had a look back through the history. Now the World uh, Golf Championships, uh, it's it's a concept that was created when the three main tours came together. So the PGA Tour, European Tour, and the Japanese Golf Tour. So we'll refer to it as the Japan Golf Tour. Uh, they were combined to create um, an entity called the International Federation of PGA Tours, and they decided that. What they want to do is create this World Golf Championship concept to create a larger group of golf tournaments with a high global profile by bringing the leading golfers from different t- tours together on a more regular basis. So really what the idea behind this is that obviously all well, the major championships were always brilliant with all with the top, top players, but we only got this four times a year and it'd be great to have all the best players in the world um, come together again for a couple of more events and this was the whole idea behind it and, and real high profile events and I certainly think it's working but there was probably um, there was another I suppose it's, it, there was also other kind of reasons behind the things of why it might have been created it wasn't quite an original idea yeah exactly and um, it was loosely maybe 
not so loosely borrowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Greg Norman, um, who kind of came up with the original, his well, who knows where he came got it from, but anyway, he had an idea of a world golf tour back in 1994, and being an outsider from the states, from Australia, he, this was obviously a great thing for him to kind of pull everybody from the world together. You know, get the top 15 rankings or get the top players together. So he went to the PGA Tour commissioner, Tim Fincham, who completely torpedoed the idea, got all the A-list players to denounce it as a terrible plan. You know, Fincham probably thought it would impact upon the PGA Tour somewhat, or for whatever reason. Um, And then a couple of years later, they started formulating the idea of the World Golf Championships, and Mm. along they came. And also, uh, well, along came threats from Norman about suing them for, you know, stealing his idea. Yeah. So um, they're, they're not; they are not on each other's Christmas card list. No, exactly. I, um, I don't know what the, what the relationship is nowadays, but I think, in fairness, I suppose Norman probably deserves a bit of credit because I think they are. He obviously mm-hmm. created the seed of the idea. Now I think he wanted a much more, which I suppose is actually kind of how the tour is nowadays. Like it is all around the world. I mean, obviously McIlroy played in Australia at the end of the year. It's a lot of events in Asia. We get events in Europe. We get events in America. So it kind of. So this is a bit of a discussion that's going on. Is that we kind of had a world golf tour, but it's just not official, really. Yeah, it's getting there. I mean, the, the, the tours, the European tour and the PGA tour, will kind of cross award points to each other's ranking mm-hmm. list based on tournaments mm-hmm. that take part, you know, take place in Europe and also, you know, across mm-hmm. in the states. So, um, look, yeah, it kind of is at that stage, just without the name and the official kind of structure around yeah. it. Yeah, and at the moment, the uh, four world golf events. Uh, are the Accenture Accenture Match Play Championship, which is on uh, kind of end of April, early May uh, next year? Actually, that's got a that's got a slight change in format. You touched on this last week, I think it was Barry, but they've they're trying to they've had big problems with this event that they haven't got the players attending the match play, and that you know they find it very hard to get the big guys because Tiger has won a few of the match plays, but he hasn't played in the last few and mm. there was a couple of reasons for this I think the Dub Mountain where they play it is 51st out of 52 in the list of the players favourite courses so I basically remember that point yeah, it's, nice. the, it's the one that they basically hate the second least I think the one the other one is um, the one that they hate the most is Liberty National which that, yeah and uh, that's gone that's, that's uh, undertaken a redesign based on the feedback and yeah. Dove Mountain's gone as well, so whoever was sitting at 50 thinking, we're not the worst, <laughs> <We're all laughs> just got dumped into the bottom spot. Yeah, and I think the other thing is that, remember, Climber played there in a snow blizzard as well, so I think they get very... That was crazy, wasn't yeah. it? So I think they get very iffy weather, whereas I think yeah. they're, they're moving it now this year, aren't they? They've, they've gone and they've just cleared the whole slate and they said, we're going to change everything. Mm-hmm. So they're changing venue. They're changing uh, date in the calendar. They're, they're, mm. they're moving it right through to the 27th of April yeah, now. Yeah. So it's the week before the Players' Championship. Um, and they've gone all the way to the West Coast, to San Francisco. And they're going to go to a course called TPC Harding Park. And mm. um, this, this previously staged a WGC American Express Championship in 2005, mm. but also hosted the, way, the President's Cup in 2009. And so it's gone out, you know, had a few things done to it over the years to make it a bit more tour usable you know yeah. because it was getting too short and whatnot and ultimately ending in the fact that they've now been awarded the PGA Championship in 2020 so this is clearly yeah. a really good golf course so they've changed the format up now as well which I think is brilliant because beforehand it was 
you know, it was exciting having the bracket of 64 players, but the problem was you lost 32 guys on day one. Yeah. And you're not, you, you don't always get to see an awful lot of your guy playing, or, the, you know, the, the guys that you want to follow playing, and you might lose, you know, in one match and match play, anybody can beat anybody, and you lose some of the top players mm-hmm. in round one. Mm-hmm. So they've switched it up to a kind of a World Cup style format, mm-hmm. and they've 16 groups of four, and they each, each person in the group plays each other on the Wednesday, Thursday, and the Friday. And the winner of each of those 16 groups goes through to the round of 16. And then it's strict knockout from there all the way through to Sunday. So they end up playing two matches on Saturday and Sunday to decide the the winner. Yeah. So That's a better system, I think. I like it. Because, as you pointed out, the people, the players were unhappy that they travelled all the way to, let's say, Arizona, Mm. play one match and get knocked out and they're gone. Yeah. And this at least gives them... Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so they get three games. You know, it gives a chance to practice, get a chance to play. And then I think you were mentioning beforehand that the TPC is on the week after. Yeah, yeah, the Players' Championship is the week after. Now, I'm, I'm not sure whether they've nailed the date bang on for this match play. The match play doesn't always seem to appeal to the pros too much. Mm. And this, I don't know, this, this is going to... Anyone who gets to the final four in this event is going to have to play seven games. Yeah. You know, and seven games of match play, one game of match play is pretty tough mentally, you know. It's a little yeah. bit more taxing than a game of strokes or whatever. So yeah. if, you're doing se- if you're playing seven rounds the week before the Players' Championship, which is, you know, it's the, the fifth major, as people call it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're going to get all the top players coming. You know, I think you might have a few of them skipping it. Yeah, the, the only thing I... I wonder um, if you got to the final four, though, would that be a good problem to have? Do you know what I mean? Like like on this week, he got so many world ranking points, he got so yeah. much cash. Are you kind of going, do you know what? Take it. Yeah, I'm pretty happy. Like, it's a good problem to have. I'm going to be a bit tired playing golf next week, but yeah. hold on, I'm probably, I'm, I'm only guessing here now, but I'm probably picking up 400 grand for getting to the final four. I'm picking up a shed load of world ranking points. Yeah, no, it's, that's a good point. And you know what? I, I really hope this succeeds because I'd love to see match play be embraced again by the pros as you know, as a, this being an annual event and maybe lead to a second match play mm-hmm. tournament mm-hmm. throughout the year. Because it's, it's funny that as amateurs, we play a huge amount of match play. Mm-hmm. And when you go into the pro game, the only time we see match plays is one event and then the Ryder Cup every two years and yeah. then you know, the other, the Presence Cup and all the other little yeah. ones. But you just don't see it as much as we do in the amateur game and it no. seems like it's kind of a lost art amongst the pros. Yeah, it's, 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 it's quite exciting. Like It's always very exciting. You know? Who doesn't love match play? Yeah, yeah, and everyone loves playing it as well. So. Um, in terms of the WGC events, actually that was one of the points I was going to make is that the... Actually, first of all, on your point about being ahead of the TPC... The one thing that is a brilliant field this week for the WGC, now mm. I know it's different, you're going to say stroke play, match play, but I wonder is it good having a top event to get with top players as a warm-up to a major? Because it does seem to work this week. Now, I know I will caveat that by saying, well, hold on, this has got all the players, they get to play four rounds, there's no cuts. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, so it's kind of, I don't know. I, I think it might work out as a good thing having it the week before the TPC. Yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're playing against the best guys, you know, or the you know, the top guys in the tour. That's going to fire them up because it's going to get you extra focus and, you know, it's going to be sharp in their game. On a, on a course that requires you to move your ball around quite cleverly, um, yeah, as yeah. Tiger has shown over the years, um, I think it's a really good way to warm up for um, yeah. for the major. The only guy that's probably going to lose out is the guy who wins this tournament. 
because the likelihood of going back to back wins is you know as we all know is very very difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I don't think they're going to be complaining with a, an you know an excess of a million dollar payday and world ranking points exactly. and the exactly. title. So it's a good problem to have. Yeah. In terms of the overall golf tournament hierarchy, obviously we have the four majors at the top, and we'll save our our major um, ranking debate for late, maybe the end of season review or something mm. like that because I know that's a hot debate amongst the four of us. But where do you think the WGC sits in terms of the you know regular PGA Tour event? There's the WGCs, there's the players and the majors. Where do you think they sit? Um. I think I think they're just on, they're in the third tier. So okay. I'll just explain. I, the majors are obviously in the first yeah, tier. Yeah, yeah, the um, four majors. The four majors. In, in a weird way, there is only one tournament in that second tier, which is the Players Championship, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, and then you have the three W, the, sorry, the four WGCs. Um, they seem to be set up like this from a ranking world ranking points point mm-hmm. of view. The majors, the winner gets a hundred, and the players, the winner gets eighty, and the winner in the WGCs gets somewhere between seventy and seventy eight points. Mm-hmm. I'd say that depends on the composition of the field. So they're set up to be just below the players. Um, look, I think the players just holds that little bit of prestige because it's got that extra bit of history to it. I, yeah, see, for me, I I've always viewed the players as a bit of a marketing tournament by the PGA Tour they create this tournament for the players and you know they say it's the players tournament as in belonging to the players mm. I don't know whereas when people refer to the likes of Darren Clark and they say that he's won a WGC event um, he's won actually, has he won two I think actually has he but I think that when they talk about I think it's two yeah I think you're right yeah that, like I think that yeah, he's won. He actually won the match play in two thousand, and he won the Invitational in two thousand three. I think when they refer to Darren Clark, that he's won two G, two WGCs, they talk about Ogilvy winning three as well, and Ernie Els winning two WGCs. I think when they talk about players winning those events, it carries more prestige than someone saying that they've won a players. Oh, I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that. Yeah. I think. I think. I think the media have kind of grabbed onto this the, the the four WGCs because it's a group and they're a brand yeah, yeah. and just do you know what there's more of them so it's easier to get multiple titles in them mm-hmm. you know, there's four of them a year versus you know one players um, the players does throw up some oddball winners as well so you, you do get some unusual kind of one and done guys you know they'll win and they'll disappear off into and they'll never be mentioned on TV again. Yeah, um, I, I think I think it's a media-driven thing that they're pushing the WGCs up into kind of like a mini-major status. See, I think as well that Sawgrass, in particular, as a golf course, I think some people I don't know if it's a universally popular golf course. Mm. Like I know it doesn't fit a lot of players' eyes, or you hear them mentioning this. Whereas I think when you look at the WGC course, particularly this one next weekend, Rory Rory McIlroy was out just only in the last while saying mm. that he thinks it's one of the best courses that they play on tour and we'd obviously not say that for press conference but <laughs> I always thought that there's a bit of an issue with with, um, with um, Sawgrass but we I asked Alan this this afternoon now I sent him a text as well and he definitely thinks that the players carry more prestige so mm. I'll have to bow to uh, to your guys here but I like I would have thought that if you said to Mark Keimer um, would you refer to in the players or WGC something like Akron that he would have picked the WGC but maybe I'm wrong on this because you know, I think Keimer would definitely go for the players yeah I know he picked you know, maybe he if he cho- chose a different pro they might choose something differently I think Keimer is the kind of guy who would love the players 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm Question for you then. Yeah. If the players switched venue every year and just, you know, they cherry-picked the best of the courses that PGA has and just moved around each year, would that elevate it a bit more in your mind? I think if they moved to a course, probably. I mean, I'd love to play Sawgrass. And it's a great TV course. It's a great stadium course. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm not too sure. I, I think if it was played at possibly a better golf course mm. that was kind of more universally appealing to like, no, I don't know. So you'd that. like to see it in one ve- one venue every year, yeah. Out of the Masters, uh, yeah, but just a different so. one from Sawgrass, maybe. Somewhere like Pine Valley, maybe be amazing, but uh, they um, wouldn't get let in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, listen, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. Um, looking at obviously, we know the field. It's gonna, it's all the big boys. So we've Scott, we've Tiger, we've McElroy, um, oh, Stenson. Everyone's playing. This the list goes on. Yeah. I think this is, uh, the one reason everyone wants to play in is because there's huge world ranking points, good money, and for someone like Tiger this week, there's no cut. Four so rounds of golf. He'll get four rounds under his belt ahead of next week, which next week is the USPGA Championship, the, the last major of the year. So um, I think it's an event that everyone's looking forward to. Um, is there anyone you have your eye on this week? I think uh, if I was going to have a which I think I might reinvest some of my Ricky Fowler money from the Open in Ricky Fowler again this time. Yeah, what else? Yeah, you? he's twenty-two to one, which is yeah, it's okay. I can take that because he's in great form, and uh, you know he seems to just be turning up uh, with great performances in the big events. And this is a pretty big event now, as we've kind of you know it's above a regular tour event by a mile. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I think he's going to go quite well. Um, I also think Keegan Bradley might might actually do well. He's had a couple of good performances at this tour, of this event before. He's now got the a bit of experience he needs around here before. He's actually won it two years ago. There you go. I'm just looking at it now. Um, so I think he might go okay. Do you know the only thing about Bowler? Um, I think he's a serious big-time golfer now, and he lives for the big days. Mm. And Is this too boring of an event for him, do you think? Well, I'm, I might be slightly contradicting myself, but based on the fact of being a WGC, but I think he'll hold something back you think? for the USPGA. Because if you remember, uh, and now obviously the Royal Aberdeen, the European Tour event, which is before mm. the British Open, yeah. he finished 14th. And Very stressed last week, wasn't it? Absolutely. I think, I think, now I don't know whether it's intentional or if it's something, you know, subconscious mm. that you keep yourself out of contention, you don't want to be involved, you don't want to have the stress, you, you know, you want to get out of there early enough, get home. And I think... He will approach it almost as a practice. Do you think he's gonna? Is he one of your bet the kitty players for the USPGA? No, um, I think his odds are gonna be dreadful. I'd say. I'd say all the money's gone out of him because he's had three top fives uh, mm. in the major. So I think there'll be no value on him. Um, but this week, I'm very, very tempted by Adam Scott this week in the WGC because he obviously had a fantastic um, British Open. And he was, he, I think he finished, he was, was he fifth, I think, at the end, or he was top five anyway. Fifth, yeah, I mean, he can't seem to put a bad performance in. Well, and the thing is, he finished fifth, and he was on the wrong side of the draw. Yeah. So, yeah. realistically, you know, he could have... Oh, he got killed by about five shots from the wrong side of the draw, so he would have been up there challenging right to the end. And actually, yeah. I think, when you mentioned that now, I think they said that on average, that I think it was in around four shots, mm. was the official figure that the wrong side of the draw cost those guys, so... Four or five shots. Yeah, yeah, that's and that was crucial for him in chasing down McIlroy. Yeah, it'd be great to see an Al McIlroy Scott showdown, wouldn't it? Love to see those two final group on a Sunday, just five ahead of everyone else. Yeah, yeah, just 
pounding drivers and oh, it'd be great just firing in wedges it'd be, yeah. it'd be cracking TV I think um, I, again I think someone like, I think McElroy might have the handbrake on slightly this week he mightn't he might just save himself for next week as well so with that said do you think it kind of opens it up then for an outsider I mean I know Scott could easily go any of them at the top of the betting could go easily go on and win it or accidentally fall into a win you know when they're trying not to win and just take the foot off the gas for next week but do you think somebody could sneak in from the you know somebody, somebody under the radar a little bit I mentioned earlier on that I went with Schwartz last week and he had a very good performance in the British Open I think his golf is slightly erratic but I think there's a lot of very good golf there and I don't think he could control his golf game enough to, to say, well, I'll play it handy this week and then go go all out next week. So mm. I think Schwartz is going to go well this week as well. And I put, I'm put first pick based on his performance last week. And I've gone with him again in the presenter bet. So I think he might give it a run for my money on, on the presenter bet. Um, I think James has picked as well, has he? James has picked, yeah. We uh, caught him on the phone before the show. He's gone for V-Dub. Oh, yeah. some, so, um, Another man who had a good WGC earlier on the year in the, the, the match play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A memorable match play, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, taught us all how to play out of cactus, as a yes. like cacti and bushes. and um, Yeah, he's he's a great player. Um, he surely has many, many wins in him. Yeah. Um, so, I'm. Oh, no, you're next, sorry. I'm going next. Uh, I'm going to go for uh, Louis Oosthuizen, or Westhuizen, as he pronounces it. Is it West Hazen, he it? says the West Hazen. They even pinged it an ad a few a couple of years ago, and uh, it was him just doing you know golf pro stuff for a ping ad. And at the end, they you know they put the ping logo up, and he just goes, "And it's West Hazen." Oh, did he? Yeah. Yeah, but mm. it never caught on. Everyone just calls him West Hazen. Oh, okay, okay. So um, yeah, Louis. Hopefully, uh, hopefully he goes well. He's been showing a flashes of form recently. And you could Alan, see him win again, like a, a big one. Like he's kind of gorgeous golf swing. Oh, it? it's just yeah, you could watch that all day. Peter yeah. Costas do the slow motion. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alan's going for of course Davison. He's going for Jimmy Walker. And um, so that'll, that'll be interesting. But he played again, played very well for, for a long time in the British Open. So I think I think mm. he's going to go well. But it'd be interesting to see if the course form holds against him. So yeah, it seems seems like the kind of place you need a little bit of experience at to at least a year or two experience to kind of get your. Mm-hmm. Get your bearings right on us, but um, you know these guys are good. One of them could easily just buck the trend, you know, first time or just come in and do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, cool. Well, listen, that that should be a great event, and, and obviously we have all Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, all all great great evenings yeah. on TV. Yeah, plump the cushions up on the couch and yeah. get settled in. It's yeah. gonna be good. Um, I just I hope if Tiger's out of it, that I hope he's not um, being shown shown all the time. Yeah. Sure, we'll wait and see. Um, cool. Okay, well, listen, that wraps up our preview of the WGC. Um, on to the rules related question. I obviously went a bit easy on the both of you because uh, during a stipulated round, a player runs out of balls. What is the rule in question mark? You're both correct with saying the player may borrow some balls from any player on the course. So if you were playing on your weekend game and you run out of golf balls, you can borrow it off the other guys mm-hmm. that you're playing with. Uh, do you know where you're allowed to run off the course to buy any of this in a shop? I don't believe so. Yeah. I imagine that you'd be slowing up the course. And I wouldn't say that's allowed. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be interesting to know if you could do it. You know, because we our our ninth finish is very close to the clubhouse. So you could just you could run in really quickly and buy well, some. In theory, I mean, there's times when I've run down and run down and got a couple of drinks and bars. You know. Yeah, well, that's the thing. There's nothing. There's no way that someone could prove that. You know, as long as you're not slowing up things, because you're allowed to go in and get a drink. So yeah, yeah. It's not against rules, but I'd say, I'd say you could. Um, 
that pretty much wraps us up for this week, Barry. I think we're all done. We'll uh, we'll have the lads back next week, hopefully, and an exciting week next week. We're we'll looking ahead to the USPGA Championship. Indeed, yeah. So exciting but sad week because it's the last major of the year. Oh, God, yes. And then the start of the end of the season. The, lo- the longest calendar tick off until the Masters in April again. Yeah, we won't. Uh, we won't. We won't. No, end don't go there. We won't, we won't open that uh, Pandora's box. Um, so, listen, we're looking forward to a really, really good WGC and... Hopefully we'll have some big performance for the big guys. And that pretty much wraps us up for this week. So this leaves for me to say goodbye to everyone. Thanks a minute for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks. Bye-bye, <laughs> 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 Well, you're fine. Bye-bye. <laughs>